is the only bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs, and we're committed to the success of women entrepreneurs and majority women-owned companies across Canada. As a proud partner of the Thrive Podcast, we're here to help you start, grow, or scale your business. Find out more at bdc.ca forward slash women today. Scotiabank is proud to co-present the Thrive Podcast for Women Entrepreneurs. Through the Scotiabank Women Initiative, Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. listening to the Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. On the Thrive Podcast, we connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and other support to help you make your vision a reality faster. This podcast is a production of Startup Canada, Canada's entrepreneurship organization, and is presented in partnership with the Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. I'm your host, Kayla Isabel, Executive Director at Startup Canada. Welcome to the show. We are thrilled to have Cynthia Mason on our show today. Cynthia is a Canadian lawyer and trademark agent with a passion for helping businesses arm themselves with the information and tools necessary to protect their brands from copycats. Over the span of her near 20-year legal career, she has worked with numerous Fortune 500 companies to protect their names, logos, and taglines from theft or misuse. Cynthia is also a legal innovator and has developed an online platform for registering and monitoring trademarks, making professional brand protection accessible for entrepreneurs and small businesses. Welcome to the show, Cynthia. Oh, thank you, Kayla. I'm so excited and honored to be here. Fabulous. Well, let's dive right in. Uh, So really, what do you want the one most important thing for our audience to take away from today's uh, conversation, Cynthia? You know, there's so many things, but if I had to pick just one, I really want people to walk away with an appreciation for the value of Canadian trademark registrations in protecting brands. Mm. It's been my experience that entrepreneurs really underestimate the value of a trademark registration. And I hope that, you know, we can, over the next couple of minutes, really dispel some of the myths that lead entrepreneurs to believe that trademark registrations aren't a top priority when launching and growing their business. Mm, fantastic. And this is something that, um, you know, it's not necessarily um, something that people realize is a sexy part of entrepreneurship, you know, making sure that you have these these key components of your business protected. Uh, and often that can be left to the side of someone's business to, to their detriment. So I'm really excited about um, getting some, some tips and tricks from you based on your experience. Uh, but before we dive into that, Let's walk through your entrepreneurial journey. Why did you launch your business and what inspired you to really become a legal innovator? Well, you know, I think my entrepreneurial story is similar to that of a lot of women entrepreneurs. I had this great corporate experience. You know, I spent over a decade at a large Bay Street law firm. And then when I started my family, I kind of just realized that that setting just didn't fit with how I envisioned raising my kids. And so you know, I took my experience and I took a few clients and I started my own law firm, um, Mason PC. I I started it back in 2014 when actually I was on maternity leave. Mm. And I focused the legal services that I was providing 
on trademark protection. My entire career has been focused on trademark law, and it's a field that I really love. I, I enjoy working with creatives. I enjoy working with entrepreneurs. And in the field of trademarks, you actually get a great mix of both of that. Mm. So I continued on and have been basically building a business since then. And my second venture, which is Markably, really developed out of a problem that I've witnessed throughout my entire legal career. And that's the need for legal services delivered in a simpler, more cost-effective way. Mm. And, you know, offering online trademark registrations and brand monitoring, which really are, you know, Markably's core services, it's really aimed at making it easier and more affordable for entrepreneurs and new businesses to protect their names and logos early, just like, you know, a lot of the larger, more established as more established businesses do. Mm, I can definitely get on board with that. And I think we hear often from startups that, um, you know, even the idea of going down this path seems daunting. You know, even if in practical application, it's less complicated than you might think. Just that burden initially of, you know, I don't know where to start. I don't know what questions I need to be asking myself. I don't know how to protect my business. Um, that can be overwhelming when you're managing so many other challenges. Um, so I think, you know, understanding the value and the function of trademarks and IP is one thing. Um, can you really speak to the value of, of you know, trademark registrations in protecting your brand? Um, start us at the very beginning. What should we know? Oh my goodness, I could talk for hours on this subject. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, unfortunately, re trademark registrations are legal tools that really are underestimated mm. uh, until you actually need one to stop an infringer. Mm. And then people really, uh, they appreciate the value. But they are trademark registrations have value particularly for startups and there's a number of key reasons first it's a tool that enables you to reserve a name years before you actually start selling a product or a service mm -hmm. so a lot of entrepreneurs don't realize that you don't have legal rights in a trademark until you are selling something. Mm. So registering a domain name or building an audience, it's not enough to have legally enforceable rights in a name. You really need to be selling something in connection with that name in order to have trademark rights. But filing a trademark application, it's the loophole to this rule. Filing the application gives you legal rights in the trademark that you can enforce against others who come along after you. And it gives you that flexibility and that time to develop your business under the name that you choose. Mm. Another really great value of a trademark registration is that it gives you legal rights all across Canada. You compare that to unregistered trademarks that are really only enforceable where you are actually selling a product or service. Mm. And, you know, that can be limited to a particular city or a province and this is particularly important for startups because the majority of them don't launch and then the next day have national sales. Mm -hmm. It takes, unfortunately, it takes a long time to build your distribution channels. And, you know, there are a lot of businesses that are just geographically limited, you know, like restaurants, spas, bricks and mortar retailers, wellness centers. These are all, you know, the, the majority of the Canadian economy is built up of small businesses mm -hmm. and many of them will never have national distribution. And so if you're operating an, under an unregistered trademark, you really can only stop other people from using that trademark where you're using it. Mm. 
So I'm just like, just for a quick example of why, why this is actually relevant for, for startups is that like, take, for example, a spa in Halifax, you can't, they won't be able to stop somebody in from in Calgary from using their exact same name in connection with the same type of business. And while you may not necessarily care if somebody so far away is using your name, that can be particularly problematic when it comes to your online presence. Mm -hmm. And especially if there's a potential for reputational damage from bad reviews. Mm. So the trademark registration gives you legal rights that you normally wouldn't have um, in order to be able to stop somebody from in a completely different geographic location from using something that is potentially going to be confused with your trademark. Mm -hmm. And now that so many are shifting digitally, this is more important than ever um, that, you know, you're building e-commerce sites, you're building this digital presence. Um, you know, this is something that new businesses who have never worked in this space are potentially facing a harsh reality. Um, so this is, I think, a really topical component as well, particularly around the online presence piece. Oh my goodness. And, and that actually leads into, I think, one of the most valuable features of a trademark registration right now is that a trademark registration is proof of ownership of a trademark. And, you know, this proof is accepted by courts, but it's also accepted by e-commerce and social media platforms. Mm. So you can use your trademark registration to have any one of these platforms quickly take down pages and posts that contain infringing trademarks. So you don't have to go through the court process or try to track down the infringer, send them a cease and desist letter, and hope that they're sufficiently scared to respond. Mm. You can bypass all of that with just one simple online complaint form where you set out the details of your trademark registration and why the page or the post is confusing. And within a couple of weeks, it can be pulled down um, to, to kind of protect the, the integrity of your trademark. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Very important. So it is. It's. I mean, well, and this is just the thing. Either there are many other benefits, particularly ones that us lawyers like, because it makes it so much easier to argue confusion when you're dealing with a registered trademark versus an unregistered trademark. You know, most entrepreneurs don't really care about that, um, and it's not so compelling. But I feel like these other reasons are compelling enough that um, that people really should see how valuable a trademark registration is in protecting their business, particularly in the early stages before they can build a national sales center or a national sales and a national reputation. Mm, amazing. So in terms of an actual brand, what elements can actually be protected, you know, in terms of visuals, name, et cetera, if you sort of think of your laundry list, what can we actually protect? Well, you know, legally, you can protect anything mm. that you use to distinguish your products and services from your competitors. Mm -hmm. In reality, the, the most common elements of your brand that are protected by way of a trademark registration are names, logos, and taglines. Logos and taglines. That's a good, uh, that's a, the top three. I like a good top three list. <laughs> and, you know, when you think of, you know, branding and, and really fantastic names, logos or taglines, um, what role does developing that really great brand asset have on the trademarking process? Like having a really good quality brand, has that served entrepreneurs better in this process and really defining who they are? Um, what has been your experience working with entrepreneurs uh, in that regard? Oh, absolutely. Without any question, having great trademarks makes it easier and less expensive to register them, but mm -hmm. to protect them in the long run. Mm -hmm. So if your brand assets are weak, and by that, I mean, they're really not that distinctive. Um, the trademarks office is more likely to object to it as, as a registrable trademark. Um, your application is going to be delayed or, or possibly refused altogether. Mm. Now, 
This is going to add, obviously, risk, um, because by the time you actually reach the point where you determine that your trademark is not registrable, it's actually, unfortunately, right now in Canada, a couple of years before an application is even wow. examined. Oof. So you've gone far, far, pretty far in your marketing development before you realize that you're you're using a weak trademark. Mm. Um, and of course, if the trademarks office objects to your trademark, you you have the option to to respond and to really submit arguments as to why it's it's not as weak as what they think. Um, unfortunately, it's going to add to the cost of registration significantly. <laughs> Not many trademark agents undertake that work free because it really does take time to develop the necessary arguments as to why a weak trademark is actually deserving of national exclusivity, which is what you're going to get with a trademark registration. So, you know, weak marks generally... They're bad for a whole host of marketing reasons, mm -hmm. but for, you know, legal protection, it, it's, it's difficult to protect them um, and it's difficult to, to register them. So when I think of, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not a trademark expert or an expert in this space at all, but even in, in the exposure that we've had within our community, I think there are a lot of myths that it could be very helpful for you to debunk for us, <laughs> Cynthia. <laughs> so one of them being, um, you know, around in the, the difference between incorporating and trademarking. What is the difference? If you are incorporated, does that mean that you obviously, that you automatically have a trademark? It does not. Mm -hmm. um, incorporating is really creating a legal structure for your business. You will obviously incorporate and I mean, you can do it as a numbered corporation. A lot of people do it. They pick the name that they want. They run a nuanced search, which is a search of um, some trademarks and registered business names. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of leads to the myth that, well, if you incorporate under a particular name and you are allowed to do that, that means you are legally entitled to use that name. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you're you're legally entitled to operate a business under that name, but that does not give you the right to sell products and services in connection with that name as a trademark. Mm. So the difference, and I mean, this is going to, I'm sure, lead to other questions about, well, what the heck is the difference between <laughs> a business name and a trademark? Exactly. It's tricky. <laughs> um, it is tricky. So oftentimes, a business name is a trademark. This happens in particular, more so, it's more common with service-based businesses, mm -hmm. where, you know, you're providing a service, you have a company name, um, if you've incorporated, it's got a corporate identifier, like limited or incorporation, mm -hmm. incorporated. Um, and oftentimes, what you'll do as when you're offering your services is you'll shorten that name a little bit to drop the corporate identifier. Mm -hmm. Um, great examples of this would be like, um, home, Ca home Depot, Canada or home D I think they're home Depot, Canada, Inc. I'm not sure which one, but they operate their business under the name home Depot, mm -hmm. Lululemon Athletica, Inc. Same deal. They operate under the name Lululemon. Um, and so they're basically taking a version of their corporate name and making it a trademark. So the difference between a business name and a trademark is really whether you are selling a product or service. And in terms of selling a product in connection with a trademark is that the trademark is on the product packaging or it's closely associated with it when people are buying it. Hmm. With services, it's a little bit broader and that's why it's often easier to establish a business name also as a trademark for your service because all you have to do is use that business name in connection with the advertising of your service. So really the distinction between business name and trademark is, is it being used to distinguish 
your products and services from somebody else's. And in that sense, it's a trademark. It may also be your business name, but just because it's your business name doesn't guarantee that it's also going to be in the realm of a trademark. Mm, it's almost like a, a, a decision tree that, <laughs> that I'm almost picturing this as sort of a decision tree in, in terms of identifying uh, you know, how you're distinguishing yourself. But this, I can see being confusing that if you're, you're um, you know, just jumping into all of this uh, empty handed without resources or guides or anything, this is potentially a hard thing to wrap your head around. It is. Well, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Um, even being in this field for so many yeah. years, it, it is it is difficult. And I find often entrepreneurs do have, um, you know, I, I, entrepreneurs obviously start their business ventures with, with dreams and plans of growing and, and expanding to a particular scale. And within that, you know, you, you model yourself after other, you know, successful national businesses or international businesses. And oftentimes they kind of lose sight of the fact that you have to start, you start small, mm. you start with a business name, more likely than not, that business name can also function as your trademark, you're going to use it in advertising, you're going to slap it on your products, if you're selling products. Um, and then at the point where your business grows a little bit, you add in a product line or another service line. And then you start thinking about, well, maybe that maybe I should have a different name for that. Um, and so your brand structure kind of has the umbrella brand, and then there'll be sub brands underneath it. And so that's kind of when you when you're starting a business, you want to model yourself after, you know, bigger, more established businesses that who have done the same thing. Mm -hmm. But remember that they all started with one single brand, and then worked from that and grew it. Mm -hmm. And so on that, if you were to go through a full rebrand, um, how does that work? What questions do you need to be asking yourself if you're changing the whole kit and caboodle? <laughs> well, the first thing I would say, if you're thinking about doing a, a throw out the old brand and mm -hmm. bring in a new one is obviously you're, you want to make sure that the new one is legally available for you to use. Mm. So that is done by way of a search. Now, when you incorporate, you do a new one search and a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs. And I think there is even still a lot of trademark professionals who rely on a new one search as, as sufficient in order to determine the availability of a trademark for use in connection with products and services. It's, it's limited, um, just because the, the, the degree of similarity between the trademarks that are coming up in a nuanced search versus what you really need to see is, is not, it's not reflective. It's not enough. Mm. So basically when you search the availability of a new brand or a new trademark for your use, you need to make sure that there's nobody using the exact mark, but you also need to make sure that there's nobody using something that's similar in appearance, sound or suggested ideas and in a similar field. Mm. And something that's on a, a trademarks register or a business name register isn't going to cut it because under Canadian law, you have legal rights. You have some legal rights in register. Well, obviously you have rights in a registered trademark, but even unregistered trademarks have, have legal rights that can be enforced against others. So there could be somebody out there using something similar there. They don't have a registered trademark, but they can still affect the availability of a mm -hmm. trademark for your use. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to doing a rebrand or adopting a new brand as you launch your business, you want to do a full scale search. You want to, you want to check, check, you want to do a nuanced search. You also should do a more fulsome trademark register search. You're going to search domain names. You're going to search social media to see if there's anybody out there using it in a Facebook group or something like that. Mm -hmm. And you also run 
pretty in-depth Google searches too to see what's coming up in the first couple of pages of search results to see if your planned name is is already in use in a way that's going to conflict with how you want to use it. Mm, great point. I have one, you know, final sort of myth-busting question or just general question. As Canadians, obviously we work in a bilingual country. What happens between French and English? Is that two different trademark processes? If you have a bilingual name, um, you know, what what questions do we need to be asking ourselves when considering an English and a French audience? Well, it really depends on what what mark are you using to differentiate your products and services? Is it alternating between a French mark and an English mark? Or is, is it just going to be one single mark that works in both languages? Is it so it really it depends on, again, what 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 you are putting on your products and what you are advertising in connection with your services. Mm. Obviously, there there are benefits to registering French trademarks, but they mostly have, like if you are a business operating in Ontario, um, but you are planning to sell products in Quebec, there are labeling laws. If you're, if you're a business in Ontario and you're planning to open a store in Quebec, there are also signage laws that, that have to do with, you have to put translations on, mm. on your marketing materials so that it's, it's visible and under, understood in both official languages what what it is you're selling and so when it comes to trademarks um it really what you're protecting depends on what you're using as the trademark mm, okay that's it's not question. very frequent i mean some some of the ma- larger businesses certainly have french versions of their english trademarks mm. um but it doesn't it's not that common for startups okay Good to know. That's uh, one learning for the day. I was not sure about the, the answer to that question. Uh, so when we think of you know other um, other potential risks or threats, not that we want to delve in too deeply into what we should be you know or instilling fear in our community, um, but what can happen when startups ignore trademark protection? Are there any examples of where things have potentially gone sour, where you know we could have gotten really ahead of this process and and secured the business? So, do you have any tips um, in terms of uh, threats or areas that startups should be aware of? Yeah, well, you know, I can. Let me talk a little bit about an example of a case that I recently consulted on. Uh, mm. Use it so it's non-identifying, but um, the so I was consulting on this case where the client was an online retailer. He had a store, an online store. It was a fairly successful one where he was selling relatively high-end toys. Um, and so he'd been in business for about five or six years. He had a, a really good following. I mean, he when you when you're in business for that long, he's selling in Canada, he's selling in the United States. So he's got trademark rights in both countries, mm. but he never took the steps to protect by way of a trademark registration. He just had his online. He had the URLs. He's you know he's got his online store. He's got unregistered trademark rights in both countries, but he's never he never got a trademark registration. Mm. Well, he came to me when he realized that there was uh, a foreign company that had adopted his exact trademark in connection with a toy that was not not high end. It was a mass produced um, lower end product, but it. I mean, his trademark was fairly unique as well, and so you know there was the potential for people to think that this this new toy came from his brand. And so unfortunately, that new entrant into the market 
filed trademark applications in Canada and the United States. Mm. So they, they got onto the register before he was able to do it. Now, as the first user of this trademark in the field of the sale of toys, he was obviously the legal owner of the name and the one who is technically entitled to register it. But the trademarks office in Canada and the United States, they don't care about unregistered trademark users. They're only concerning themselves with who's on the register first. And so they will deal with the first to file, regardless of whether they're the first to use it. And the onus is on the first user to oppose those trademark applications. So, you know, he's got his online store, great reputation, great, unique name. He's now in the position where he has to oppose a trademark application in Canada and a trademark application in the United States. Mm. Now, oppositions are legal proceedings, and they're not inexpensive. Mm -hmm. They take a couple of years to resolve. um, And so he's got those expenses. If he elects not to oppose them and this trademark application goes through in Canada and the United States, this new company is going to have the legal right to use that trademark in connection with toys. So they can put it on a toy and sell it wherever they want, um, regardless of whether it's causing confusion with him. If he doesn't take the legal steps to enforce his rights, they will proceed, get their registrations, and they'll be legally entitled to sell using that trademark until somebody invalidates the registration. Mm. So, you know, now he's got this dilemma. Does he do something about that? Does he incur the thousands of dollars that it's going to cost him to oppose applications in both countries? And on top of that, even if he opposes, that's still not enough to stop this new company. He's also going to have to begin the infringement or passing off proceedings in order to get this company to stop using the name. So that's a whole separate legal mm-hmm. proceeding that has nothing to do with the right to register. It's you know dealing with the use. So there's more money <laughs> in terms of what he needs to spend. And you know, in his evaluation of whether this is worth it for him, he's got this great brand that he's been building in connection with the retail sale of toys, he had in his mind that he was going to expand and start selling his own brand of toys. Mm. And so if there's somebody else out there with a registered trademark covering toys, and he's no longer in the position of being able to use that trademark. And so his growth plans are now affected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, this is like the dire straits of what could happen if you don't take the steps to protect your trademarks early in your business life. Um, But it really does show what the possible outcomes could be in terms of the value of your brand and your ability to grow and expand into new fields. Mm, That is a fantastic illustration of, you know, words of caution to all of our listeners (laughs) and uh, really just to get ahead of it. Like I think education is is definitely the number one first step, realizing the questions and the considerations you need to make early on. Uh, And I love, Cynthia, that you're moving into this space to make it easier to understand and really using uh, this power that you have to, to convey, uh, you know, all these different moving parts in as simple of a process as possible. So this is, is a great first step for our listeners to, to start asking yourselves these, t- these key questions. Yes. Yes. I mean, you start somewhere, everybody starts mm-hmm. somewhere and really just hearing about how a trademark registration can really protect you in the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the perfect place to start. And then, you know, you, you decide from that how important it is to your business. And I hope based on listening to this, that entrepreneurs are, there's not going to be much of a debate that, Mm. um, 
yes, there is a little bit of an expense when it comes to registering a trademark. It's not that significant when you consider how much money it can save you in the long run. Mm-hmm. Short term, small pain for, for <laughs> immense long term gain. <laughs> yes. So, leaving today's conversation, Cynthia, what really do you want um, to to leave with our audience? There's been so many really great pieces of advice that you've provided. Um, what are the key next steps that uh, our our audience should be taking away today? Well, I think it's pretty clear that I, <laughs> I mean, I, if you're in the category of entrepreneurs who have not yet applied to register your business name and your logo as trademarks, then you should do it, do it as quickly as possible. As I mentioned, it's, it, it's a ridiculously long process in Canada right now. It's currently taking between two and a half to three years to get a trademark registration in Canada. Wow. Now, if you file your trademark application tomorrow, and I hope many of you do, mm-hmm. you will have priority of registration on the trademarks register, but unfortunately you're not going to have full rights of registration until for, for another couple of years. And so that means you're not going to have that legal tool that proves you are the owner of that trademark that you can use in online takedown actions um, for a couple of years. And so this really is a process that you want to get started yesterday. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're in the category of entrepreneurs who have already taken the steps to protect yourself with trademark registrations, the next step that I think a lot of entrepreneurs overlook is what do you do with that registration? Mm. I mean, hopefully you don't ever have to enforce it against somebody else. It's sitting on the trademarks register. It's protecting you from the later registration by other people. But you as an entrepreneur and the, the steward of that brand should also be taking the steps to make sure that nobody's using it. And so I recommend you set up a watch, Hmm. set up a Google alert, um, set a little reminder, a quarterly or a monthly reminder in in your calendar to just quickly search your main customer channels. If you're selling on Amazon, search your brand on Amazon. If you're on Etsy, do the same thing. Search Facebook, search Twitter, like see where your brand is coming up. And if it's coming up in a way that is going to adversely affect your brand, take consult with a lawyer, see what you can do in order to make it stop. So this really are the two best steps that you can take in order to protect your business now and into the future. I love, love a good crunchy next step and, and with two different audiences. That's fantastic, <laughs> Cynthia. Thank you so much for all of these really, really valuable pieces of advice. Um, I feel much more knowledgeable after today's chat. Holy moly, <laughs> who knew I'm becoming a, a trademark and brand uh, expert within the half hour. So thank you so much for joining us on Thrive today, Cynthia. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us this week on the Thrive Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, BDC, and Scotiabank for helping us to power women entrepreneurs. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook Resources for Women Entrepreneurs with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. Visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast hosted by Rick Spence and plug into the Startup Canada network. Until next time, I'm Kayla Isabel. It's time to thrive.